that at the end of time there'll be a call to worship something that is not God. That's what idolatry is. The worship of something that is not God. It could be your theology. It could be an institution. It could be a basketball player. It could be that perfect young lady that you saw across the aisle. Uh -oh. You know, I the if you put something in the place that only God belongs, mm. that's idolatry. Mm. And the mark of the beast is simply acknowledging that some people have placed their allegiance on Satan's side of the agenda rather than God's. Mm. Hey, welcome to Night Church, the Friday evening service of Praxis, the young adult ministry of the Loma Linda University Church. You're going to be hearing some great sermons, testimonies on this podcast that are going to encourage and deepen your faith. We are so excited that you're here, and I hope you enjoy this sermon, and so much so that you share it with someone that you love. Welcome. Welcome. So glad that those of you who are here for the very first time, I just want to give you a little shout out. If this is your first time here at Praxis, would you just raise your hand for me? This is your first time, first timers. All right, we got a couple. Can we give them a round of applause? Awesome, awesome. Our prayer is that this place would become a home for you, that Praxis would be truly a safe haven in the midst of a chaotic and crazy world, in the midst of difficult studies, in the midst of trials at work, just simply that this would be a place that you find friendship, that you get potentially married, that you get a job, a connection, that you network, that you find friendship, that you find community. Uh, we've had all these things happen through Praxis, and so my prayer is that this would be truly a blessing for you each Friday night. If you know a friend who's not part of anything on Friday evenings or just kind of at home or just maybe in a tough place, man, I can't encourage you enough. Invite them here. Invite them here to be part of this. Well, this evening, we are going to have another conversational sermon experience uh, with two of my very good friends, Dr. John Pauline and Guilherme Borda, soon to be a doctor himself. But before they come up here, actually, guys, why don't you come up? I'll just share just a few more moments. I want to just give you a little bit of a primer on why we're talking about what we're talking about. And I'll start just from the presence of as a family man. So we just had a little boy. His name is John Philip. Love that guy. He's six months old. He's such a cutie. Smiles all the time. Elena looks at him and says, man, that's got to be your son. That's got to be your son. Every time someone comes up to him, he's just smiling. And then uh, people come up to my daughter, and she's a little bit more kind of taken aback by all the newness of people. And so she'll kind of almost scowl at people when she looks at them. And I'll kind of look at my wife. I'm not saying that's you, but, uh, you know, I don't know. <laughs> People will ask sometimes, hey, who do your kids look like? Do they look like Elena or you? Who do they look like? On the best of days, I like to take the credit. On the worst moments in the grocery aisle, I look at my wife and I say, I don't know who's, I don't know who's they are. 
I don't know. I don't know. Who do you look like? Who did people say you kind of resemble? Mom, dad? Some of you maybe adopted, you didn't know your parents. You wondered always, who do I look like? My mother-in-law is adopted, she never knew. But then I also look at myself at a different level, at a core level. And I ask, who do I look like though? At a deeper, eternal sense, who do I resemble? Does my life match up to who I truly want to look like? Do I look more like Jesus or more like a beast? Tonight we're going to be talking about a subject that potentially some of you are like, man, I don't even know why are they talking about this. I have never even asked this question. The mark of the beast, the seal of God, what is the relevance of discussing this? Friends, I want to tell you that this subject is probably more relevant than you ever understood or realized. And that this subject has more eternal consequence for you than you ever even thought as well. And so tonight, I'm really glad to be here with my two good friends. We're part of also a show on Revelation that Dr. Pauline kind of co-created many, many years ago. Um, God's prophetic surprises on LBN. And we've been discussing Revelation for some time together. And so I'm really grateful, not only because I know them well, but also because I know their hearts and they are for Christ. They're for the encouragement of young adults in this generation to see them grow, but also to realize like, man, the book of Revelation has so much more for you than you ever thought it did. And a book that maybe you and I need to pay attention so much more to. And so thank you so much to both of you for joining us tonight. And uh, maybe give us a little just synopsis about yourself just for a moment. Some people might be brand new here, didn't hear you guys the first time. So remember, just tell us really quickly just about yourself just for a moment. Yeah, my name is Guilherme Borda. Gotta say it with my... Yeah, yeah. Brazilian Rio, accent. My accent from Rio de Janeiro, you know? More specifically, Rio. Ah, okay. Yeah, uh, and I'm from Brazil. And my wife is doing medical school here her last semester, and that's what brought me to Loma Linda. Crazy. I really enjoyed that, though. I really enjoyed being <laughs> here. And uh, I'm a PhD student at Andrews in New Testament. I'm John Pauline, and uh, I grew up in New York City, so I've got a little bit of a big city in my heart, and uh, right now I'm professor of religion here at Loma Linda University. And now, you're giving us such a small synopsis, but this brother has done so much in his life, and so it is really a privilege to have you, and Guillermo, it is really a privilege to have you as well. Well, now, we wanted to start off with a really basic question that I think has profound meaning for us, and let's just start off right now with the relevancy question. Why this subject? Why look at the mark of the beast? Why look at the seal of God? What really does that matter to us right now in our life? We just went through COVID, a pandemic. We're trying to get through school, find a job, find a love, uh, get friendship. Why this subject? I think it would be helpful maybe, Guillermo, if you read verses 13 and 14, which sets the table for the mark of the beast and tells us why I think it's really relevant today. Okay. Yeah, so Revelation 13, verses 13 and 14 
says he performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of man. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast. So, yes, in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. There's a story behind that story. That's a, that's a story about the end of the world, about uh, the last part of history. Uh, I believe where we're living right today. But there's a story behind that story. That's a story of a mountain called Mount Carmel in which uh, God invited all the people of Israel to come together and figure out who the real God is. Because many of them were worshiping idols uh, called Baal, and others were worshiping the true God and said, let's, let's figure this out. we gotta, we got to figure it out. And they made a challenge. And they said, all right, we're going to build two altars, one for Yahweh, the God of Israel, and one for Baal, the God of the Phoenicians that so many of the Israelites had adopted. And the challenge was the God that sends fire from heaven to burn up a sacrifice on the altar. That's the true God. And the fire came down on Elijah's altar, on the altar of Yahweh. And all of Israel realized the real God, the one with the power, is the God of Israel. In the last days, according to Revelation 13, there'll be a similar challenge. But in that time, the fire will fall on the wrong altar. In other words, if you trust your eyes, you trust your ears, and you trust the science, you'll be deceived. Wow. And I think that's super relevant today, because today, who trusts media anymore? Who trusts politicians anymore? Who trusts news? It's anything. And you have this idea of deep fakes. You take a picture and you manipulate it and you can make somebody look ridiculous. You can destroy their character and it isn't even true. So today the whole question is, who can you trust? And in that context, Revelation 13, Mark of the Beast is specific to a time in history when people aren't sure what is true. Mm. Or what is what is possible? Mm. And it's interesting that in that Mount Carmel episode, that fire was irrefutable proof, yeah. right? So it, the idea that seems to be is that there will be this thing that will appear to be irrefutable proof that that's the real deal, that that's true religion, that that's what you should follow. Wow! Right? Wow! So what you guys are saying here right now is that there is a time coming. That is this illusion from the past when God really did show himself and show up for the prophet Elijah in a miraculous way. You're saying that there will be such times again in the future where now it's in reverse. Where the miraculous happening in front of us is actually not God's doing. You see, because God, according to Revelation, now that Jesus has come, God does not want to be followed because he's more powerful. God wants to be followed because of his character. Mm. And if you're just looking for magic and miracles, anybody with power will do. 
But if you want to have a character that's truly different, you need to find the right model wow. to build your life upon. And uh, so if people are simply looking for spectaculars and, and, and miracles and stuff like that, they're not going to find the real God when the time comes because the, the God that Jesus portrayed is of a very different character than the options you'll find in this world. Now, at the same time that this uh, is relevant for today's, uh, what we're going on uh, today in history because of deep fakes and, and illusions and all of that, it is also, in a sense, um, something that is not a popular message. Because it says that there is such a thing as false religion that is illegitimate. And that is not very, doesn't seem very polite. Uh, it doesn't seem very inclusive because it says there is such a thing as legit, illegitimate religion that actually is associated with the dragon, which is the devil. And that's a very strong, and so uh, of course that one thing that I, I think we should always remember is that the worship of God can only be unifying, true, truly unifying, when it is both inclusive and exclusive, in the mm. sense that it is welcoming to people, whatever their, whatever their background may be, but exclusively directed toward God, uh. right? And so that, but this is an idea that uh, in contemporary uh, society is not seen um, with much uh, welcoming Ice. Yeah, it's seen yeah. as something a little bit. Um, You're putting someone down and exactly letting them know they're wrong or yeah. But it is uh, the the point is is trying to warn us that there are inimical agents trying to lead us away from God, and it, it may look very real. It may look very real. It's like last Friday we mentioned that there are these tensions, the true. And the, and the false, right? The, the reality and appearance. So there's that contrast going on here. Yeah, too. yeah absolutely. Well, let's, let's look at this now more specifically because we've kind of now talked about the relevance, but what exactly is the mark of the beast? So some people out here have um, potentially eye watches. I'm praying for you. Guys, it's scary out there with an eye watch. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Some of you are like, oh my goodness. I'm kidding. But some people say, hey, maybe it's a chip. Maybe it's an eye watch. Maybe it was the coronavirus vaccine. That was the mark of the beast. Amen. You heard that one? Amen. There you go, brother. You didn't get it. I know, I know, I know. But this is the question. Some people wonder what exactly is the mark of the beast? Um... And this is a really important question. So what is the mark of the beast? How do you get it? When will it happen? Does someone have it now? Well, I think that when you look at the text, it, it also is part of the uh, traditional Adventist understanding, is that there is a certain set of circumstances that we also expect uh, uh, to be happening when we can really say, like, uh, right now, really, is this division. Mark of the beast on one side, seal of God on the other side. Yeah. Which, if you think about this idea of it being on the forehead or on your arm, uh -huh. um, it's interesting because you can go to the to, to Bible itself. In, I believe it's Deuteronomy 
chapter 6, verse 8. Uh, Deuteronomy, chapter 6, verse 8. Because at the end of the day, you know, you, the book of Revelation, uh, it's just drawn, draws from, I mean, just the whole Bible. Yeah. yeah. So Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 8, you have a mention of something that is good. But the same way as you have that fire coming down from heaven with Elijah, there was a good fire, you, you, know, you know, but then later you're going to have like a bad fire. And you have also the, the same thing happening. So Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 8, it says, this is with reference to the comments. But if you go from uh, verse 6, it will become more clear. Okay. So Deuteronomy 6 onwards. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall buy them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. Mm. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Okay. So you have this idea of God's commandments being on your forehead and on your hand. So the chapter right before this, Deuteronomy 5, was the second time we find the Ten Commandments being given to God's people. Now they enter the Promised Land. And this is a reminder, hey, keep this with you wherever you go, on your hand and on your forehead. So if you've ever gone to modern day Israel, you'll see people, or if you've ever been in Jewish quarters here in the U.S., they'll wrap literally leather bands with Torah written inside some of these leather bands. So, okay, so that's what you're saying this is a, an allusion to, actually. Yes, this is now another counterfeit. As you have the fire counterfeit, as you have the... Um, there's something more like uh, that uh, for uh, maybe for another conversation, but you have here a counterfeit trinity in chapter 13. You have the dragon, the beast from the sea, the beast from the land, these three powers working together. Remember, Satan never works alone. You have these three powers together as opposed to the Godhead. You have all these counterfeits. And then mm. here you have that idea that there's this counterfeit that has to do with attacking or being a counterfeit to God's commandments. Mm. That idea. And what is that related to also is related to allegiance. Allegiance. And now, it's very interesting, especially if you contrast with the seal of God, that this mark of the beast can be on the forehead or on the hand. Which we could then think of it this way. You may really embrace the system. Agree with it. And like, yes, I'm for this. This is the real deal. But you may give in. You may do as they tell you, even though you don't really agree. But you give in. And then that's what the, I would say is part of the deal later that we find in Revelation, I think it's 21.8, uh -huh. about the cowards that they are not in the, that they are together with all the, the evildoers. Yeah, that's right. Last week, if you weren't here, Guillermo talked about the fact that literally at the very end of days, the word coward is an adjective that was given to those who will be thrown in the lake of fire. Those who couldn't make that decision to be faithful to Christ. They were cowardly. Oof, that's heavy. That's heavy. Now, some people say here, let's talk about this. The mark of the beast uh, a seal of God, Saturday, Sunday keeping. 
discuss that with me here for a moment. Well, I think we have to be careful not to front load that. Okay. You know, uh, I think as a Seventh-day Adventist, I, I understand that and I agree with it. But I don't think that's the most critical thing here. What do you mean when you say what's not most critical? If the issue of the mark of the beast is between Saturday and Sunday, mm -hmm. and that's the only issue, right? You go to church on Saturday, you're in. You go to church on some other day, you're out. You know, if that's what the issue is, we forget that it was Saturday keepers who crucified Jesus. <laughs> so simply because you worship on one day or another day cannot be the decisive thing here. Mm. I'm going to show it later on that they're not unrelated. Okay. But my point is that that's not the most decisive aspect of what this is. You're stepping on some toes now out here. Okay. People, people a little scared. They're about pull, to start walking in, away. Pull them in. Keep them safe. Okay. That's okay, all right. Okay. <laughs> but here's the thing. When, when What he was pointing out with the commandments, why are the commandments on the forehead and on the hand? Because God desires us to embrace them with our whole being. Mm. That uh, it's what you can obey the commandments because you're afraid to be lost or because you hope to get a reward from God, or you can obey them because you want to please God. But God would rather you obey him because you embrace his way as the best life that you can live. Mm. This is your best life. And you say, I want all of it. And so I'm going to do what God says because I know he wants what's best for me. Amen. All right? That's what the forehead is all about. That, that your whole mind, your whole being embraces God's way as your best life. The hand is simply that if you embrace that, then you will act out yeah, what yeah. God uh, what God desires you to do. It'll be it'll be part of you and part of everything that you do. Mm. So now the mark of the beast, then, as as Guillermo said, some people will embrace Satan's ways and Satan's emissaries in the world will embrace that as everything to them. Others, as he said, will just have it on the hand. And by the way. Uh, COVID or the vaccine is not the mark of the beast. How do I know? Because it's on neither the forehead or the hand. It's in your arm. Okay? So that, that's not what it's talking about here. But it's, uh, it, it's a fun idea to that stuff like that. Okay. But, uh, but here's the, the deal that I think that is here is that the mark of the beast and the seal of God are about character. Amen. It's about embracing uh, the character of the one that you admire mm. and then you become more and more like them so in in the final stage of everything uh people will reveal in their character whose side that they are on wow and uh we can come back to the issue of sabbath uh, okay uh, in a little bit if okay you, if you'd like okay just to add one little thing to that is this it's not just about checking lists checking boxes in the list because you could do that, but that doesn't make a Christian life. You know, like you know, checking boxes in the list minus Jesus is maybe what we see here. Wow! So you could say, "I keep the Sabbath. I probably am going to get the seal of God." Right? <laughs> you got to have a relationship with Jesus. Oh, you do. You know, and this oh. is actually the key mm -hmm. because. There's a chance that we may take this in a legalistic way, right? That uh, we try, well, then I'll just keep the Sabbath and then that's it. You know, like I said, this is an issue of courage. 
And so the book of Revelation presents a methods of courage. But how do you have courage in the face of death? You have to trust the promises of Jesus, that he's faithful and that he's able to deliver and give mm. you life even mm. if you're killed. Wow. If you don't have trust in him, if you don't believe him, you don't. How do you have trust? You have to have a relationship with him. That's the key. If you have a relationship with him, then you will keep the Sabbath. You do everything else because you love him. And then you have the seal of God. It's as simple as that. Uh, but of course, how are you not deceived by this apparent refutable evidence? Don't trust yourself. Trust Jesus, not yourself. Know your theology. <laughs> trust the Bible. There's a difference there. Wait, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. Where are you going with that now? We gotta have humility and always go back to the Bible and read it from beneath it hmm. and let it correct even our doctrines, our theology, and our full allegiance should never be rendered to a specific understanding of the Bible, an institution, a nation, dare I say, whatever nation, <laughs> we should never pledge total allegiance to any and what, whatever institution, entity, mm. but God. Wow. And so wow. it's always a surrender and trusting Him absolutely and letting Him correct me whenever needed. Mm. My phone's acting up, so I need you to read this first. And sure. Why don't you read verses 15 and 17 so everybody has it fresh in their minds. Then I want to speak to that. Yes, yeah, so Revelation 13, verses 15 to 16. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the beast, no, the image of the beast, to be killed. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads. Right. So we're talking here about idolatry. In the imagery of this text, you have an image that sets up and that everybody's asked to worship it. And the backstory of that is Daniel 3. If you're familiar with the story of Daniel 3, Daniel had three friends. Yeah. And they were there was this big image of gold that was set up. And the command was everybody in the country has got to bow down to this image. And these three said no. Our allegiance is to the true God. Mm -hmm. We cannot do that. And they ended up in the you know burning fiery furnace. If you if you ever went to Bible school as a child, you know, you know what that story was all about. But that's the backdrop here. That at the end of time there'll be a call to worship something that is not God. That's what idolatry is. The worship of something that is not God. It could be your theology. It could be an institution. It could be a basketball player. It could be that perfect young lady that you saw across the aisle. Uh -oh. You know, I, the, if you put something in the place that only God belongs, mm. that's idolatry. Mm. And the mark of the beast is simply acknowledging that some people have placed their allegiance on Satan's side of the agenda rather than God's. Because mm. Satan is less than God. So the worship of Satan or anything that he values is idolatry wow. and so that's uh, you know you were dealing with uh, 
It's kind of like, uh, I think I mentioned last time, like Lion King is an animal story that's not about animals. You know, it's really about human beings. And so here, Revelation is an animal story, but uh, giving us pictures to help us to frame where God wants us to be mm. in life today. Mm. And, and that idea, right, of idolatry, and then you have uh, having other things or other gods in your life, uh, and you have the idea of blasphemy. You tie again to that idea of the commandments, right? That this attack, a systematic attack against God's authority and His commandments. And but the one of the ironic things here, because it points us to Daniel three, but it, I can it, it reminds me also of Daniel four because. In Daniel 4, you have that idea of Nebuchadnezzar when he thought he was the biggest shot in town. What did God do to him? Turn him into a beast. Like a beast. Yeah. And so you have that when you transgress your creaturely boundaries, you have a process of degradation. Wow. And so idolatry does that to you. Mm. And it's what you see in Romans 1, it's what you see in Daniel 4, it's what you see in Revelation 13. Mm. When you violate the creaturely boundaries when you worship illegitimate objects of worship when you break God's commandments which are an attack on your relationship with God and your relationship with fellow creatures all creatures then when you do that you go through a process of degradation and rather than becoming like God and, and, and going through a process of ennoblement you get degraded and become more like a beast wow and not just any beast, but these are not, these are not like, this is not the lamb, okay? <laughs> these are terrible, vicious, predatory beasts that are very scary, and they are um, hybrid beasts, crazy beasts, it's crazy stuff here. It's not your regular, it's not like your, your pet for animal lovers <laughs> out there. You know, we're not trying to bash animals. These are not... These, I would say these are not even like creatures of God. This is terrible animals that, you know. To build on what you said, we were created originally in the image of God. Yeah. So this degradation you're talking about uh, is, is what this text is all about. That, that uh, as you embrace the values of this world, as you embrace the values of the dark side, as some would say, uh, it degrades the humanity that you mm. were given. Mm. Uh, that humanity as an ideal is reflected in Jesus Christ and the, who he was, the way he lived when he was here on this mm. earth. And that's the image of God that we can aspire to as we worship and admire him. But uh, when we look in other directions for our values, it degrades what we could become yeah. and, and what God intended for us. You know, I think of actually... I'm so glad that you're here tonight because I have quoted this one thing that you've said so in, in probably five, six sermons. But, you know, you wonder, God, how in the world would I ever become a beast? There's no way, Lord. But you see, the thing is, each one of us drifts very easily in life. It doesn't happen overnight that all of a sudden, you know what, forget church, forget this. I don't care about my morals and values anymore. I'll sleep with whoever I want. You know, a, a little bit of marijuana, drugs, cocaine, party, this, that. All of a sudden you look and you're like, wait, how did I become this? How did I do that? What in the world? 
I've, I've heard that I've read this and I thought it was just so good. Uh, Dr. Pauline and I forgot the book exactly, but uh, the five steps of the secular drift. And the first step is when personal prayer just seems to lose meaning to you. Personal prayer and, and really reading the Bible and just loses and it lacks any significance to you. And then this next step of a church attendance becomes just a burden in your life. You know, I just don't really want to go. I've got better things to do in my life. And then the third step is actually when now this secular drift becomes a public drift that others can see. Your morals and your values start to degrade. And now others can notice that you're, you've really taken a step in a different direction. But that drift started a while back already. And then fourthly is when now all of a sudden you start doubting and really putting less and less credence into community and church. And then you go to the level of, you know what? I don't even know if God exists. Forget that. This, this isn't real. Atheism might just be the way for me. Um, and so this, this notion of becoming more and more like the beast or becoming more and more like Jesus is a process of sanctification or desanctifying. And it's a choice that we make every moment of our life so i guess i get to this oh go ahead just i think just because i want to i want to bring this you're quoting dr pauline i'll just quote my son <laughs> <laughs> it's, it is interesting because well uh so i was walking today with my son bruno and i had the, my, my my little two-month-old baby in the carrier we're walking here close to centennial then my son turns to me like out of the blue and says something like, Daddy, some people don't seem to, to want to live. It's like they don't seem to like their God. They, even when they pray, they're just like, wow, 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 wow. I'm like, this is very profound. <laughs> <laughs> the idea that I extract from, uh, from what he was saying that I think is good is that Sometimes we have the appearance of religion, mm. but it's not the real thing. Mm. And, uh, you know, it doesn't sustain us. It doesn't, and, and what you're saying, you know, what it takes from that, it doesn't last long. Right? Mm. So now, what is the seal of God? How do you get it? When can you have it? How do we, I guess, counter receiving the mark of the beast? Well, certainly the seal of God is available all the time. Uh, it's available right now. In the New Testament, it talks about uh, people having the seal when they receive Jesus Christ. Yeah. But I think in the book of Revelation, it's saying there's a special context in which that's all the more important mm. than it ever was before. So you get the seal of God by focusing on God. Mm. You know, you'll see... Uh, yeah, you go down the street, you'll see a little basketball up there, and you see a kid just dribbling and dribbling and shooting and dribbling all by himself, dribbling and shooting. You say, why are you doing that? Well, I want to be like LeBron, <laughs> you know? And he will invest hours and hours and days and weeks and months wanting to be like LeBron. You become like the person you worship and admire. Mm. And you get the seal of God by embracing what it means to be God, to become in the image of God. Yeah. So the seal of God is restoring the image 
that God has made. And we can't do that on our own. It's something that God does. But what we can do is where our attention focuses. And uh, by putting our attention on Jesus Christ as the one who most clearly demonstrated what God is like, that's how we become more and more like him. Like Paul says, like looking in a mirror, you become more and more like him mm. as he gazes upon him. Mm. Now, so, can, can, can I make for instance, a mistake and get the mark of the beast? I mean, is it like a, is it a one-time thing? And when, it, and when will that happen so that I can be kind of ready for that? Well, in Revelation, mark of the beast is an end-time event. And it's in a time of extreme uh, emergency. The world is in trouble. Uh, you know, the environment is going. Uh, there's, there's crazy ideas running around. There's... Uh, uh, nations are banding together to enforce their will on people. It's 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 a really disastrous time, sounding a little bit like today. It's but interesting. <laughs> hopefully, how not too much too, too soon. But uh, the reality is, that in this time of crisis, sitting on the fence isn't going to be an option anymore. Uh, today, you have people who love the truth about God. You have people who hate the truth about God, but most people are neither place. They're ambivalent. They don't really care. Yeah. But in that end time environment, according to Revelation, uh, there will be such a context in which people will not be able to stay indifferent. Mm. They'll be forced to make decisions that will gradually move them one way or the other until they become fixed in that. So in that special context, that's where the mark of the beast uh, happens. Okay. Okay. And I don't think anyone has it today, except in the sense that it may be a lot like uh, the unpardonable sin, which is very hard to get. It's just when a person reaches the place they don't care anymore. Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't matter to them whether they're saved or lost. And, and God can no longer reach them. Mm -hmm. uh, the unpardonable sin is not something God imposes on you. It's just you put yourself in the place where you don't care anymore. Mm. Now, on that question of mistake... Um, if someone came to me and asked me, if I make a mistake, does that mean that I lose the seal of God, I get the mark of the beast? I think one thing we may also do is, is ask a question. What do you mean by making a mistake and getting the mark of the beast? Because sometimes, not always, but sometimes, there may be an underlying issue, which is, What's the minimum I need to do? Or how much am I allowed in, uh, to deviate mm. from the way of God? And it's okay. Ah, okay, okay. Uh, and see, and that's so the right. So how close can you go and still be a virgin? Is, is, that, is that what you're trying to okay. It's that kind of thing. You okay, know? okay. I'm uh, just trying to make it really relevant here, okay? <laughs> that kind of thing. Uh, you know... And, and I think that's the wrong kind of thinking. Mm. I remember uh, in a class, um, Dr. Richard Shea, very interesting uh, what, what he said. Some people have a, a slave mentality. Mm. They, they tend to think only in terms of what they can do and what they cannot do. But he says, you have the mentality of the air. Now, the air looks at the field and does not think, can I sow some weeds here is that allowed that, that's a ridiculous question for the air because the air wants the land to be fruitful 
So the air doesn't think in that standard. The air thinks, I want to do what is good because the land is mine. Mm. I am inheriting this. Mm. So I think uh, uh, you know, it's, it's important to make sure that we don't have the wrong kind of thinking. Mm. So, and then the other deal, like uh, making a mistake, you know, uh, if you have that relationship of, with Jesus, I think it's not about uh, if I make a mistake. The question is, how do I remain faithful to him? That's the question. Mm. It's not, can I make a mistake? You know, if you focus on him and focus on being faithful to him, then he's going to nurture you. He's going to help you. And even if you're in a very tough, difficult moment that you, you let's say you call to be either you're faithful to God and die or you are unfaithful to God and then they let you go, that he will give you the strength. And then you, it's, not, it's, it's not about making a mistake. Mm. That's about a statement of allegiance. Mm. You see, was taking off the fruit in the Garden of Eden a mistake? It was a statement of allegiance, of who you choose to oh, follow and all of that. So even mm. the word mistake is maybe... Um, so that's why it's important to understand what is in the mind of the person asking that question. Because depending on that, it may be very well intended, but it may be misguided. Okay. Uh, even... Okay. Um, even not consciously, but it could be misguided. In other words, if you're worried about whether you have the mark of the beast, you don't have it. <laughs> because you're still, you know, locked into the desire for God. Now, Dr. Pauline, maybe just mention one last thing, just about Sabbath, Sunday, how does that work? And then Guillermo and I are going to step off here. Yeah, what, is, what does the Sabbath have to do with Jesus? You know, and if, if, if the seal of God is all about reflecting the character of God. So what does the Sabbath have to do with that? I think very simply this, that the Sabbath is central in the Bible to everything about the character of God. Uh, Jesus was the God of creation. Mm. And what do we learn about God from creation? We learn that there is a God who created the human race and loved us so much before that creation that he took a whole week out of the universal calendar to piece by piece put together an amazing world as a gift to these human beings that he hadn't even made yet. So it's a generous God, a, a gracious God. More than that, though, he gives them freedom. He says, there's a tree here. You know, you, you, you make a difference. You can decide whether you're going to listen to me or, or listen to somebody else. So we're going we're gonna to put that out there, that you are truly free. Think of this. When God gives creatures freedom, what is he doing? He's limiting his own freedom. His own freedom to manage the situation. His own freedom to, uh, to have everything go the way he wants it to go. God loved us so much that he gave up some of his freedom so that we could have it. Mm. That's an amazing God. And uh, more than this, and you see the Sabbath is memorial of creation. So it's, it's reminding us uh, of all these uh, kinds of things. And more than that, he gave us the power to create little people like ourselves who would also have free will. Imagine how much God restricted his own freedom of action in order that we might be able to flourish. Mm. I mean, the Sabbath is pointing us to a God who is self-sacrificing. 
Mm. Long before the cross, God sacrificed in giving us freedom and the freedom to create. I mean, those children can go almost any direction they want. You know, yeah. God released the control over so much of his universe when he gave us freedom. The Sabbath reminds us of the Exodus, where God is the one who delivered them from slavery to freedom. He's a God who wants the best life for us and will rescue us when we mess it up. The Sabbath is a memorial of the cross because Jesus died on Friday and he rose on Sunday. And in between, he rested in the tomb after saying, it is finished. Mm. He rested in the tomb on the Sabbath day. So the Sabbath reminds us of the sacrifice of Christ on the cross, which is the greatest demonstration of God's character ever done. So the Sabbath, rightly understood, is a pointer to Jesus Christ mm -hmm. and, and opens up to us a whole vista of what God is like. And as we study that, we become more and more like that. Amen. That's the link, I think, between Amen. the two. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, gentlemen. Well, Dr. Paulina is going to just close us off here with just a final word, but I can't encourage you enough to join us next week as we then look at Revelation 14 and the mission that you have to be part of. So just as you can see, little children and others wanting to be like Clayton Kershaw and others like maybe favorite actress or actor, we are all by nature inclined to admire somebody. And that's what worship is all about. Worship is about admiration of God. And when you admire God, you become more and more like that. In Psalm 115, it says that those who worship idols will become like them. You become like the God you worship. And if the God you worship is cruel, unforgiving, harsh, uh, arbitrary, judgmental, you become more and more like that. And that's really what the character of Satan is all about. Sometimes God has been blackened with the character of Satan. And we think we're worshiping God when we're trying to buy our favor with God. You become like the kind of God you worship. And ultimately, that's what the seal of God, Mark of the Beast, is all about. That the one that you would worship and admire, yeah, it's okay to want to be like LeBron. It's okay uh, to, to want to be like Clayton Kershaw. It's okay to have models that you want to become. But the most important model you could ever choose, I believe, is Jesus Christ. You become like the one you worship. And if the God you worship is gracious, is kind, is self-sacrificing, is forgiving, is non-judgmental in the negative sense of that term, if that's the kind of God you worship, you become more and more like that God. That's who you become. That's what the seal of God and the mark of the beast is all about. God bless. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for joining us for the Night Church podcast. We really are excited for where we're going, and you can help us in that mission. There's a few things that you can do. Number one is just stay connected. 
So if you want to follow up what's going on in the young adult ministry here at Loma Linda University Church, follow us on Instagram at Praxis Ministry. And then the other way to really build from this is to financially contribute. Your donations make such a big impact. And so if you go to lluc.org slash give, you can connect with Praxis Ministry there on a one-time gift or a reoccurring commitment. It makes such a difference. Well, we love you, care for you, and may God bless you richly as you take theory and make it into practice.